Hello, and welcome to Tell Me About Your D&D Character. This is a podcast where people get a chance to talk about their characters from different role-playing games. I'm your host, Jeremy, and today my guest is Meek Nelligan. It's been really fun talking with Meek. She was, um, <laughs> I know I always say they're a joy to talk to, but this really was just really enjoyable. She came up with some great stories, some about learning to play, about those interactions that Dungeon Masters have the first time a child tries D&D. And um, yeah, I had a really good time. And uh, Meek, you, some of you might know if you were part of the Goblins of Zarnath uh, campaign that ArcanaCon ran just these past few weekends. Um, that was an online uh, Dungeons and Dragons competition. We did something similar back in June, July with um, ArcanaCon. This was the Melbourne Dungeon Master group that myself and Ben Burner are a part of. We did this um, Dungeons and Distancing. This was when Melbourne and Victoria went into the severe lockdown and we thought, you know what? Why not? We'll give it an adventure. Or Arcanacon approached us to do this um, with Arkham Forge as well. But that is where we first came across Meek. Uh, she was one of the players there, which we talk about in the episode as well. And uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it. That was uh, kudos to that has opened up a whole new world to me because um, like I was saying in my messages, I don't have any friends that play. So when I saw there was the opportunity where people were going to be forced to play with me, I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. Forced friends. And yeah, yeah, and then since then, it's, yeah, anyway, craziness, but great. Excellent yeah. things. Yeah, because you've got um, Goblins of Zarnath. Yes. Uh, next weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I went through with Zarnath. Um, Dante, the guy who's written it, I went through a module with him last night and it was just him talking us through and I've got like the pages of like the module and I'm trying to take notes because I'm like, oh, it's different. It's not like normal fantasy. Like It is not still D&D, but it's like goblin fantasy. So it's got this whole like goblin culture that goes with it. And when it's someone else's work, I don't want to mess it up. Yeah, you want to so, be respectful to it and kind of match yeah, the feel that they're going to have. Exactly. And he's kind of been really great. He's like, oh, you know, do what you want with it, trust the GMs, whatever. But I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to go in and like, I'd be cut if it was my world and someone went, nah, don't dig it yeah. um, and did something different. So, but yeah, it's on Saturday, which is wild. I've got four days, five days to get my head around that. Mm-hmm. Now you know what it was like on the other side of Dungeons and Distancing. <gasps> oh, like I could already see just organizing the people full stop, like just organizing people into groups, like as a school teacher, that in itself, well done. But yeah, the fact that, there was so many DMs and so much happening and then Ark and Forge and all the other stuff happening. and Yeah. And I think we yeah. did it in like three weeks because yeah, it was just bonkers. suddenly... Um, for people who haven't heard, uh, but Dungeons and Distancing was the the online, I guess, D&D competition that we had with, yeah. um, with ArcanaCon that was really that fun was... but hectic. <laughs> It, it was. It was uh, super crazy. And I'm still gutted that the Wi-Fi defeated me oh, in like, no. the second like semifinals. I bought a ukulele and everything. Oh. I was so ready for that game. But alas, mm-hmm. some things happened. But yeah, no, it was it was great. And it was great to play with lots of different people as well. Yeah. Like being forced, you know who you're going to rock up with. And so you kind of had to, I was very lucky. No one wanted Bard ever. Really? So I always got Bard. Apart from, I think the very last game was two Bards and we just kind of said we were going to buddy up and yeah because even two bards in the final round there were two bards as well because bard is the best class by uh, far. <laughs> all right i'm i'm not going to take issue with that but why do you think bard is the best class 
Well, personally, for me, I like bar because I think it's the most creative class in the sense that I love the way that spell casting with it's been more interactive. So, like, I love, like, you know, vicious mockery, how you get to actually make up things to insult people on the spot. And, uh, you know, even with, like, Tasha's hideous laughter, getting to, like, make jokes, whereas a lot of other spell casting, you know, when you cast Fireball, there's no, I guess you could make a catchphrase. Maybe that's what yeah. I've missed. But, Just like, there's burn. no kind of, yeah. Flame on. Maybe, exactly. Like, it doesn't have that kind of, and I love the fact with being a bar that I get to come up with, like, stupid songs. You know, yeah. I've watched a lot of Critical Role and, yeah. you know, Scanlan from Critical Role in Series 1. I just want to be oh, that, yeah. essentially. Like- That's fair. I'm re-watching <laughs> it at the moment and he is... The fact he must have it written down beforehand. Oh. Like, I'm going to do this song for an inspiration. And then sometimes you see him come up with it on the fly. Yeah. I was, I've been trying to, like pride myself at the moment with like being able to like when you get into a game and you meet characters with their names I just start instantly luckily as well I think good thing with the bar they usually like I'll always forgo intelligence over charisma mm-hmm. any day of the week so my character can miss a few key facts because in that time when everyone's having like serious diplomatic I'm like googling or writing down coming up with rhymes trying to like think of what pop song has something that rhymes with duck in it that isn't an expletive um <laughs> <laughs> this- luck maybe yeah there's there's a few there's a few i had a character i was playing with on sunday they they sadly left our campaign is in they they died and uh yeah so i had to come up with something that rhymed with ducks and that was quite tricky but i went with britney spears lucky but i just made it ducksy kind of worked that's what i was gonna actually say it's um it's britney spears lucky (laughs) and that Um, works with someone dying as well yeah exactly it was very poignant at the time um but yeah no i just love bard i just i think it's funny and i think it's been one of my first bards was a complete, like, they were so bad at everything. Mm. Um, you know, I, I wanted to create these characters going to be super, like, charismatic and confident. And just thanks to the constant rubbish roles, she was just a hot mess express, like, mm-hmm. constantly put to be the face person and just constantly let the team down time after time again. Um, but I'm playing another bard currently, which is a little bit more successful. Well, what's, the, what's your current bard like? What's so the- my current bard is Rodelia Shashalor. Uh, she's a rogue bard. Um, and she is a, a little bit sassier than any other character I play because I tend to be a nice person in real life. I tend to like play the lawfully good kind of characters in game, but this one I was like, ah, let's be fun. Let's be a bit like passive aggressive and sarcastic. And, uh, yeah, she's very much, um, uh, lies constantly, like just nothing that comes out of her mouth is pretty much ever truth. And, uh, with that tries to talk her up. And I think her belief is that, Gold equals success. So once she has mm-hmm. titles and gold, she'll, of course, be the most successful person. Yeah, she's um, after the fame. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Exactly. And anyone who's kind of comes along that has anything else that, you know, where they want to do good in the world without wanting riches, she's like, what? why? Who? What? I don't understand. <laughs> Can I have your um, share? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, and it's worked out well, the party I'm in, um, no one else has that drive for gold. So at least I'm making sure our party coin is like staying up purely, purely just because of me, because of being money hungry and trying to sneak what I can off the top when so I So you can. quickly become the party treasurer as well. <laughs> oh, self-elected party treasurer, yeah. 100%. Yeah, which they're all fine with, which, yeah. Yeah, which works for, uh, everyone's winning at the moment. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a few more games when they start to learn that I maybe have been skimming off the top, we'll see. <laughs> so how long have you been playing Rodelia? Uh, not very long to be honest. This one's only a couple of months. Uh, thanks to online, you know, with COVID and stuff, obviously a lot of online games. A couple of online games dropped off, a couple picked up. Um, and this is the yeah, just a new one I picked up in the last year, probably month or so. Okay. Um, so only a few episodes in with her so far, but I can already see like where it's going to go because she's surrounded by lawful good people that like, we don't kill in this party, which is great. It's also wow. a really nice change. Yeah. yeah. Um, coming from a lot of 
you know, hashtag murder hobo cruise. Yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I can see that I'm kind of already picturing that she's going to see that these other people do good without kind of titles and fame and they actually make change in the world and she'll kind of have this epiphany at one stage or maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe she'll just meet some hot noble somewhere and be done with it. It's like, great. I'm <laughs> yeah, set. Exactly. I've got my title. I've got my land. I've got yeah. my gold. Bye. Yeah. Arc done. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that you kind of build an arc for the character. I have expect, not expectations, but possible avenues for the character um, as you're building them and seeing how they interact with other people. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's something everybody does when they build a character. It's more like, I've got an interesting idea for them and I'll just let them loose onto the world and see what happens. Do you yeah. do that when you're creating other characters as well or is that just for Redelia? No, it's probably for most of my characters. Like, I love the narrative element. Like my characters, if you ever look at my stats, like anyone who plays to you know try and make the toughest character or the best, say, cleric, anyone would look at my sheets and be like, what have you done? Your stats are like, my stats are rubbish. Um, but I play it for like the narrative. So um, yeah, I generally t- kind of start with an idea of where I want their arc to go. But generally as well, once the dice start rolling and things start to happen, those change like my previous bard slash sorcerer uh she was meant to come from this noble family and she'd run away and she was going to kind of go back and you know make good for herself and instead she ended up accidentally punching a barkeep to death and um, had to essentially be on the run like that was so i was like well there goes that noble you know that she can't kind of come back from that at this stage Mm -hmm. um so yeah but i do like to try and think of the narrative ahead and try and play to a story like that's what you know, one of my loves of d d is all the narrative aspects. The combat's great too, but I'm also not great at strategy. I've like literally spent hours watching YouTube videos on how to better strategize. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's been overly successful because I end up just using vicious mockery and insulting something and making it worse. So It's interesting because you're saying um, that you're a teacher in your, yeah. your day, day life. Yes. Um, I would thought, expect that would be all strategy. Because you're planning <laughs> lessons and you're organizing children and you're no way. I think teaching is 100 percent creativity. You can't mm. have you can't strategize because you don't know what's going to get thrown at you. <laughs> Very <laughs> like much like just, dungeon mastering. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think a teaching and DMing has. I've seen a lot of. <laughs> yeah, a there's lot a bit of, of crossover. Which, yes. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but no, 100%, even as teaching, like I, I'm more about the creativity and like my main goal is, okay, I need to teach these kids this topic. How can I make it engaging? How can I make it like, a, like even in maths, I try and turn it into narrative, like how do they use it in their everyday life and try and role play that in a way almost in class. Um, my poor students are always subjected to Dungeons and Dragons one way or another, even if it's subliminal. Um, it's actually our book week prayed tomorrow. Oh, excellent. So I'm going as a bard because, mm-hmm. you know. Because of course. Yes, exactly. And uh, there's going to be a lot of D&D activities tomorrow to just try and see if I can, if I can just get a couple interested, then I can start a club again and get back into that. So, yeah, because kids love it. They do. It is. It's just an opportunity to use their imaginations. And to them, that's play. They're not really realizing I'm learning something through this as well. Yeah. But I think we're we're a storytelling species. uh, (laughs) 100%. And this is how we learn the best. If yeah. have, this is why we have myths. This is why we have legends. There was always that that fable of you need to learn something and this will be important for you. So we'll tell you a story so you remember it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really hard. I see, especially like, because I generally teach upper primary and mm-hmm. you know, it's that stage when you want to be cool and you want to fit in and that kind of imagination and free play goes out the window a little bit. And it's a little bit more about, you know, wanting to be 
exactly what scene. So, you know, wanting to replicate exact celebrity, you know, dances or, you know, wanting to be exactly like the movies that are out rather than create your own stories. But when I have introduced D&D to kids, like at first it's probably been a good period, like 30 to 40 minutes of what is this? And then followed by like the first time I did it was at an all girls school, sat down with the first group, was, you know, I had a cartographer character because they decided they wanted to buy a map and I was doing my stupid voices. And then two of the meekest girls, I think, in my class turned to each other and whispered. And I was like, oh, this is great. They're... And then they said to me, they're like, we're going to stab him. And I was like, no, no, like, you don't, you can buy, like, you have it. I'm pointing on, I'm like, oh, they've forgotten on their character. I'm like, you have gold. And they're like, no, 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 we're going to stab him. Like, oh, my God. You're 10 and you're a red And I was like, I didn't even give, I'm like, where did that come from? I wasn't teaching you that. But oh. it was hilarious and one of my favourite stories and they mm-hmm. loved it mm-hmm. um, because then they had to be on the run from the town cartographer who then became this much bigger character. Yeah. Every time they wanted- go to town, he's like, yeah. there's a bounty on them. <laughs> oh, that is wonderful. Yeah. So that's one of my favourite d Like, I love that d Even out of all my own games, I think that's my yeah. favourite d story. <laughs> that's fantastic. There is that element of when you give kids free reign, they tend to go to violence quite quickly for some reason. I was running a game for um, a company and I think it was the the chief financial officer there with his kids and he was playing a paladin. No, sorry, his son was playing a paladin and runs along and I'm like, okay, cool. So what do you want to do? He goes, I want to hit dad with my hammer. All right, <laughs> you're on the okay. same side. There's a goblin right there, but you can hit your dad with a hammer. <laughs> no problems it's with that. It's a safe space for that to happen. Yeah. It's great. I don't. He never came back, so I'm not sure what. I'm not sure his dad approved of it. If family night continued on with them just ragging on each other, yeah. So you can solve a lot of stuff, though. So you can talk through a lot of things in D&D. Yeah, cooperation skills in there. Yeah, there's that communication element too, because you are coming up with with odd scenarios that you have to sometimes work together as a team for. Yeah, and adults can also throw doozies at you too. Like you said, being a dungeon master, you just you're like, oh, 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 okay. Sure. Great. Totally had that prepared. Not. Yeah. Always, <laughs> always, always pretend you have it prepared. Yeah. So yeah. what's something someone's thrown at you? Or actually, what's a time when you've thrown something at a dungeon master and <laughs> realized they did not have anything ready for you? I think, uh, I think having, oh, I don't know. I do know I'm playing in a Star Wars RPG at the moment as well. And I do know the other week in that game when we were playing we just decided as soon as we got off a ship as I don't know if I went to just normal D&D but I was like I want to go to a shop and buy stuff and the yeah. poor the poor game master was like oh I haven't prepared oh okay right um and then we had to go through this whole shopping experience that was completely off the cuff and I'm pretty sure we got weapons we definitely should have should not have been able to obtain but just because it was that cuff moment you know when you've been a DM you're like oh take this then yeah this um, is what's in the book I'm just gonna yeah. give it to you <laughs> yeah and then it's like you know something that breaks the game later on you're like ah rats yeah. Um, but generally, I think I, I don't think I've broken a DM or if I have, they haven't told me or I haven't been able to perceive it. Maybe that's the joy of online gaming. I haven't seen a lot of faces lately. So there's probably yeah. a few DMs out there cursing my existence. But I find online gaming is very much like um, seeing a duck go swimming. That the, the little camera you see, everything's calm and everything's collected and just behind it is just the legs paddling frantically trying to, to keep everything yeah. above water. It's definitely been great. I'd like, I think I've you know, really thrown myself into DMing in room, like during this COVID time or 
whatever we want to call it. Um, and it's been great though, because you have that safety net a little bit of people can't hear you shuffling papers or hear or see you flicking through books. So it does appear like you've got it all together. Whereas you've got 28 tabs in the background and, you know, suddenly they're boarding a boat and you're Googling like boat terms to be like, I've got this, um, but no one can see it. You're right in that square. It's um, all appears very calm and it gives the illusion that you have it together, <laughs> which yes. has been great. It's giving me confidence to be a DM when I go back into the real world with humans. Like, <laughs> with with real people with real people in real yeah. life um yeah but it's been a good train tour i hope there's lots of other dms that have popped up in this time and mm. done the same just being like well got nothing else to do yeah i think there is a lot of people trying the game yeah um just not just uh dungeons and dragons i think just role-playing games in general yeah because there is that element of well i've got the time now to learn the rules i've got the time everyone's free everyone's yeah. free to do stuff because they're not traveling they're not going out for dinner the kids are not doing anything either, so they can yeah. try playing as well. And it's something that families can do together. Yeah. That, um, no, it's parents, been great. Yeah. The amount of like this, I've had pretty much every session I've had has, you know, been scheduled and everyone's there on time mm. and then it goes and you're like, this is amazing. Like almost part of me, I'm, I'm in this moment now, I'm like, what am I going to transition to? Like I've got one game that's all in Melbourne. I'm like, do I go back to tabletop or yeah. maybe we just stay with this? This is working. I mean, we all still have our individual snack platters and mm-hmm. it still There's feels no cohesive. Commute and yeah. At the end of the night, you're like, cool, I'll just turn off the camera and now I can go straight to bed. Yeah. Like exactly. No pack up. It's yeah. so yeah, I'm kind of, I'm on the fence at the moment about one of my games. I don't know if I actually will go back to yeah, human interaction. It's hard to say. I mean, I like the human interaction. I've had a couple of games just not wither away, but players who like i like playing with everyone but i want that map on the tabletop and i want to see people and i want to talk to them like face to face yeah and i can relate honestly i find my actual role playing has lessened um while online because i don't really act it as much yeah um over the camera because i just end up staring at myself (laughs) and it was like i'm just yelling at it yelling at the uh the mirror now yeah yeah it just doesn't but um i feel that music we're talking before about having the ukulele and yeah. Dungeons and Distancing was all on it. That I think works a little bit better online mm. because you're not there with everyone in person and you've got the, the guitar out playing and having to everyone just kind of sitting there going, yes, if it's online, <laughs> it's just like you've got music coming through the speakers. Yeah. It's just this nice little opportunity to relax and think about what's going on as somebody <laughs> performs for you. Yeah. And there are like, there are some great things out there though, as well with online gaming that has blown my mind. Like we play one game on tabletop simulator, which is just like crazy bonkers how good that is. And I looked into it for D and D and then just got instantly overwhelmed. Um, but yeah, there are a few things in that kind of, but you're right. Nothing quite makes up for, and I do miss rolling dice. I do have yes. to admit my dice rolling has been rubbish since March. I don't know what it is if I'm just digitally unlucky, but, or maybe I have loaded dice, who knows, but I seem to have rolled a far, far, far less natural 20s since, you know, March. So I, yeah. that part I'm definitely looking back to. I have to have my physical dice. The only time <laughs> I'll use digital dice is for breath weapons. For, oh. for dragons. I'll just, because I can go 16d6 rather than actually finding 16d6. <laughs> but even they show up a... on the screen as well. Have you got it that they like, because that, that's, I've had that happen in a couple of games where then the DM just, and just suddenly your screen is full of dice and you're like, yeah. oh, that's not, that's not good. No. I don't care what number comes out of that. It's not good. <laughs> if there's that many dice, it's just bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We've made a terrible choice. Yeah, because there's, there is also that element of when you're in person and you hear the dungeon master pick up a handful of dice and roll it and you're just like, well, that's bad. 
Mm. And then he picks him up again and rolls <laughs> again. Like, oh, no. No, no, yeah. I don't want. I think we're yeah. in trouble now. Yeah, but you can't do that with digital. It's suddenly, oh, you take 120 points of damage. I just. Yeah, doesn't have the same, quite the same pain attached to it until yeah. you see the, if there's any graphics come out, you're like, oh. Yeah. But it does, it has been a weird kind of video game amalgamation though to it too. Like a couple of players and you have started playing it like a, yeah, like more like a video game. Like, oh, I'm going to move here and mm-hmm. then attack. And like, it's kind of, yeah, the instructions, it's like I said, less of that role play element because you do have that map on your screen and just naturally I think if you're a gamer you go to that you know that's what you do um but you know still learned a lot though maybe there'll be like a weird middle ground somewhere yeah um, I think things like the Dungeons and Distance the Ark and Forge ideas Goblins of Zarnath now it has given us more options yeah that there are those those programs out there which we can use to I guess um what's the word I'm looking for make the game better is what I'm going to go with rather than try to come up with it. But they, I guess, scaffold the game a little bit where you can have online games in particular. I'm using pictures now rather than describing the full character. um, I'll go, okay, here is the picture. Here's the the source that I'm drawing my inspiration from. That's what they look like. Yeah. And that's come up with some really interesting ones with a fire genasi that I, I recently threw at a party. Uh, fire genasi mercenary. I didn't realize that the the fan art that somebody had done only has one arm. Ah. And I'm like, I only noticed once I show them, like, you know what? That's really cool. Yeah. He's a mercenary captain who's only got one arm and he's amazing. And <laughs> yeah. they hate him. They hate him. Beautiful. That's also yeah. just as a DM. I mean, that's joy in itself. Yeah. You've made a good antagonist. There's nothing worse than you, someone being like, you've made this intent, like this, what you think is this villain? They're like, it's not even that scary. And you're like, he is. Um, because you can find those evocative images, which like, yeah. kind of, particularly with something like Curse of Strahd, where you find something yes. that looks really good. So it's not just, it's a vampire and he's got the cloak up and it's like, no, no, this is what you see. And it yeah. can be terrifying. So there's, there's benefits to it too. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I've, I mean, we're playing Curse of Strahd at the moment, although it's turned into more of what we do in the shadows and mm. less, <laughs> I have less said, deep horror. I have said that while every Dungeons and Dragons campaign turns into Monty Python and the Holy Grail, mm-hmm. uh, every Vampire the Masquerade game turns into what we do in the shadows, <laughs> which is amazing. Personally, like at first, I was trying to make it real, especially if I'm not a real gritty person. But the first couple, I was like, I was, you know, especially as the descriptions are so great, and like you said, all those images are out there. And I had yeah. this like it's on roll twenty, so I had all the blood splattered things. And it's just, I think, within the second game, I was like, okay, well, this is happening, and that's okay because I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'll lean into the comedy aspect of it. Well, it's more black comedy than anything dark, dark humor. That Stride is one of those very flexible games. Yeah. Where you, as long as there's a horror there, but you can go for a black comedy or a really dark comedy yeah. element to it. Where it's like, yeah, it's funny because he took out their tongue and now he's sending the messages with the the, the tongue just yeah. flying around. And it's just weird stuff, but there's yeah. always that horror element to it. I feel it's not not always sunny in the Forgotten Realms sort of wacky <laughs> that some games turn So funny into. you should say that. My other campaign I run is based in Taldoria and it's called It's it's Always Sunny in Taldoria because that's what that campaign. I'm Maybe noticing a recurring why. theme as I'm saying this as well. Yeah. That it seems to be what I'm involved in. Whatever I touch <laughs> seems to turn to. So maybe I, it's not my players. I don't think it's just you. <laughs> I think that's how people like to play the game a lot of the time. Yeah. Most of the time, I, honestly. I think especially in this current climate everyone just wants a little bit of escapism and like humor and forgetting what what it really is at the moment so yeah 
which you know D and D can always provide. Well, how long had you been playing before the virus? <laughs> before the thing. Um, so I've been the, the before playing... times when we went outside. Oh, the craziness! Um, I've been playing for about I think it's about four years now. Yeah. Um, but the, really, the first kind of eighteen months was slow, slow going because I literally had no reference point, no one to talk to, no one to. So my very first experience was going to um, I think it's the maze in Fitzroy. And it was like, a, you know, it was like a learn how to play D&D and it was school holidays and my brain didn't tweak. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. I had my player's manual and I rocked up and it was me and three 10 year olds. And I was like, oh, this is a school holiday, how to play. <laughs> cool. But I, I was like, well, I'm here. I drove all the way. I was so excited. And then so I ended up just going to school teacher mode and playing with like 10 year olds. Um, and then from there, I think my ego got a little bit. Uh, hurt so I waited a while and waited around kept watching I started I think I might have started watching Critical Role at that stage and then started throwing myself into just adventure league games because good thing about those is you can sign up when you can you can just be one person you can rock up but I kind of found after a few months probably about six months of doing Adventurers League I wanted a story like I wanted you know not to talk about the Matt Mercer effect but like I wanted I wanted a narrative like not just these one games which had three hours to play that a lot of people generally just wanted to like you know, have really high powered characters and, you know, kind of hack and slash, which is cool. And there are definitely days I've enjoyed doing that as well, but I wanted my character to be able to, yeah, role play and have that narrative. And it's not about the three hour it's, there's a story which will continue on after yeah. this, this short adventure. And so that short adventure can contain whatever you really want it to. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, from there it was, then I kind of started going online and looking for games to play and uh, ended up like doing the pay to play thing, which I know people can sometimes feel mm-hmm. very, I don't know, polarizing on. Yes, it's a divisive topic Yeah, um, as a paid DM. I'm obviously on one side of it. Yeah, well, look, I mean, as someone who desperately wanted to play, literally had no way to do it. For me, I was like, this just makes sense to like pay someone to and the good thing was like I had people showing up and because people are also invested financially they were there on time and mm-hmm. um and yeah it was great and then from there I decided well if I want to make a game and I want to play maybe I should look at dungeon mastering and that's kind of it was like well someone's got to do it and if you yeah. want it you may as well make it so that was how I kind of started that and and it's good with friends you, I realized as well you can't really mess up too bad no I find dungeon mastering everyone is so glad to have someone who wants to dungeon master or run the game or anything, any game you're running really. And to have that idea and go, well, I want to try this. And they're like, yes, I want to play. Yeah. Yeah. It's dungeon masters are the same because as soon as someone else says, I want to run the game, you're like, great. Yes. (laughs) It's a week off for me. Exactly. I will also pass that off. That is no worries. Yeah, no, it's been really, but I think as well, I've learned a lot more about the game from Dungeon Mastering. I think I was starting to be a bit of a, not a lazy player, but because I had my character, I knew, say, again, Bard very well, but I didn't really know how anything else worked. And I'd always just rely on, you know, the DM to tell me, because there was a lot of pages in that book and no one's got time for that. No, (laughs) I have not. I have been, honestly, I've got the Dungeon Master's Guide from 1994. Oh, amazing. um, Which I've had all my life, nearly. And I have not read it cover to cover. <laughs> what edition would that be? 95? That is second edition. Ah, nice. See, that's the yeah. other thing as well. Like, I'm very much fifth. And I know the others exist. And I know that one was particularly bad. And that's about it. Like... Yeah, well, <laughs> it depends who you ask. Fourth is the one most people talk about. And say yeah. fourth is the bad one. That was the one that they went very heavy on the video game aspects of it. Right. Um, and changed all the rules. Some people say second edition because it's incredibly complex. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can, it's the same with anything. It's the yeah. same with Doctor Who. If someone says this is the worst Doctor because, someone else will disagree. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, Just focus uh, on the now. <laughs> What's great now? Yeah. Fifth edition would be kind of your access point to role playing yeah. games. But you mentioned the Star Wars game earlier. Is that yeah. the only other one um, you play or? Uh, played religiously yeah look i have tried a few others because i think once i got into it and realized i really liked it i did like start to you know you start to be like i'm going to do all the things um call of cthulhu is another one i played a few games of i just struggle struggle a little bit again because it's just not my personality for that gritty kind of like i find it very hard to sometimes stay serious so uh and also the the mechanics in that like the is just coming from when i was first learning dnd i was like oh this is whole different thing whereas star wars as well was the same when i first started playing that i was like oh this is weird but it's actually really great and i've kind of taken some of the like play mechanics of that almost into because you kind of instead of having successes or fails it's like you might succeed and um or you succeed but um which is really good because then the players come up with that and then it's that collaborative storytelling which has just been awesome yeah Um, i think it's uh succeed but with a threat yeah yeah that's it Yeah, yeah it's such a great idea because yeah. it does become that that storytelling, heavier storytelling element. Yeah, it's uh, been you amazing. Really are on the ball rather than oh well, I'll just give you advantage. Exactly, and also it's kind of you know sometimes even in D and D I have slightly out of world experiences where you roll an at twenty and suddenly you can do something miraculous. And I get that humans, you know, occasionally we can do, but sometimes you're like, oh, that seemed a bit. That's a bit easy. Excessive. Like my character would have never really been able to do that, but um, so yeah, at least with yeah, the Star Wars one, it's like well, you might do something amazing, but you know, you might have ended up dropping your gun or you've done this amazing shot, but your you know, blast is now fried for the rest of the fight or something. And so it kind of puts those extra little, yeah, notches yeah. into it, which has been really cool. It makes it very, very memorable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I think that's when, when, well, this is why I'm doing the podcast, because we want to tell the memorable stories that we ourselves have made up. Yeah. And so what, what's something from, well, tell me about your um, Star Wars character, I guess. <laughs> Uh, I'll just so change the name of the character. podcast quite quickly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my Star Wars character, is her name is May. And uh, because I know very little about Star Wars apart from Porks, um, I have a very strong passion for Porks. But I can't, and I've watched the movies, but not a, a huge, huge fan. So her thing is that she uh, is a medic and she's kind of on her gap year, but she has no actual life skills. So mum and dad have paid for her med- like medical scholarship. So now that she's out in the real world, she has no idea what planets are. She has no idea how things work. She got pickpocketed literally within the first five minutes of like the first session um, because someone asked for directions and she was just being super friendly and was like, of course. Um, I think it was in the first session as well that her like her drink got like poisoned because she'd met someone um, saying that they were going to kind of connect her with exotic animals, which she sounded sounded great. And turns out she was meant to be the exotic animal because she was from a far off planet. It was just, it's just beautiful. So uh, yeah, and she's in amongst a bunch of smugglers. So yeah. they are all very like, you know, streetwise and cunning and she just has none of that. But she's yeah. very kind hearted and good hearted and I think is kind of helping the moral compass of that group. Um, that sounds really fun, honestly. <laughs> I love those ideas of the team of smugglers, kind of the firefly feel where you have this yes. found family of people who stick together and occasionally betray each other, but they're still yeah. friends at the end of it. And I think the Star Wars one is really built for stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's been great, like, going to... Because you can also go to all these different planets that are just, you know, rather than... Because, you know, with Dungeons & Dragons, we tend to stay in one type of... Like, yes, you can kind of transport yourself around, but generally you're in kind of one climate or one country for a pretty long time because it takes, you know, ages to walk anywhere. Whereas Star Wars, like, you have a ship and you can go to light speed. So you can go 
anywhere you want, kind of. Now we're on the beach planet. Now yeah. we're on the forest planet. Yeah. But, um, and I've really liked that. The only thing I, like I said, I don't usually muck around with my stats, but because I knew so little about Star Wars, I made sure that all her, yeah. All like, the good stuff. All yeah. the good stuff is low so that if she says something incorrectly or if I don't know it, it's just in character. It's totally not me. It's my character doesn't know. Yeah. That's a good way to go, honestly. I know yeah. um, players will drop intelligence make that yeah. as the dump stat, like you were saying before with the bard so yeah yeah it can be i don't know that because my character wouldn't know yeah that. exactly i'm doing dumb me. things because my character's dumb <laughs> exactly it's not me making terrible strategical choices it's my character sometimes <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's just because it'll be funny sometimes as well not yeah. gonna lie <laughs> so when you're you're building a character like may or like Redelia, what inspires you like you already kind of have the idea of the story arc or the character style what else do you draw on do you pick a a, someone from a different media like um i know a couple of people like i'm just going to build batman yeah and things like that or do you just kind of go bits and pieces and this is the look i want to have for the character yeah i think the fan art definitely plays a big part for me i'm a big visual person so once i've kind of decided on a class or you know sometimes well it depends on the group like if i've been able to have a chat with like a party and they say look we really need like more intelligence or we need something i'll kind of build around that but generally i tend to find fan art i've got like folders of just images and images and images whenever you see something cool you're like oh i'm gonna save that in case and then from there i'm like well why would that person be really well dressed or why would that person have this or and then i usually use a lot of um I've got a couple of like different websites I go to that have like backstory questions. And cause I love just creating and writing, I'll just sit down and write like eight pages of answering these questions until I find something that's interesting. And then kind of for me anyway, and then I start to, and then I always feel really embarrassed sending stuff to my DM. I'm like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't send them 10 pages. Maybe they'll think I'm a bit no, extra. Always so, send you know- 10 pages. <laughs> so you try and like whittle it down into like key figures and a family tree and all that kind of stuff but i have in the background you know i probably got half a notebook like every time i start a new game it gets a new notebook because the first half you've got to have a new notebook for a new character absolutely and one that matches the character as well then i have to spend time finding the right aesthetic notebook that matches that character (laughs) so that my bookshelf has like a homage to characters past yeah i have a number of notebooks i have separate notebooks for different podcasts i'm on yeah it's like i have amazing. to use the purple one for this one i'm using the red one for of dice and dms it's yeah of course because we're humans and we have to file things into that little you know the brain in us from when we were prehistoric i think we still have to put things in spots it, it, it has its own little space yeah this is exactly. where this is where i keep the D. this is where i keep yeah. the star wars yeah, yeah absolutely so it doesn't encompass you all the time yeah, Although, but then you can also put everything to do with that in that spot. So you can have all the yes. fan art in that area and it's just, okay, I can pick that up and I can relive those moments through yeah. this character. And then you have all the notes that you've taken during the game. Yeah, and look, I'm a pretty big note taker only because as a DM, I love to sprinkle key information and then I love to punish my players when they don't write it down. It's yep. just, it brings me, that's probably my sweetest joy as a dungeon master is like, even in, as a teacher, I always say like, you're free to make your own choices, but you're not free from the consequences. So you can choose to not take notes. That's totally fine. No stress. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can't recall, like, or you're going to name wrong when you need to, that's going to impact, you know, what's going to happen next. Um, so yeah, so I fervently take notes because now I fear that I'm going to, you know, get that thrown back at me. Karma's going to strike me down one day. It could happen. <laughs> but it's also that joy. The dungeon master, I think, loves note-taking. Because, yeah. like you said, it'll you can pay them back when they don't, yeah. 
but having introducing a character and someone flicking through a book and being like, wait, I know this person, I know this yeah. person, and finding you go, oh my god, that's the one that stole the thing from the person. And you're just like, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, remember, exactly. you're invested. Yeah, and then you see that all those puzzle pieces fitting together. Yeah, that's a beautiful feeling. Yeah. I think that is this is amazing. Not to talk about Critical Role over and over because we probably could, we could go all day. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think that's one of the joys of watching it. And yeah. watching a number of times because you can see the the wheels ticking over in people's heads. And yeah. when they come to that realization, you get to see it in real time. Yeah. And it is, it's a joy just to see, <laughs> even if you're not really involved or not one of the players. It's just that realization of seeing that joy in someone's face is yeah. amazing. Yeah, and that excitement and that success. And yeah, yeah. no, it's amazing. I've, I rewatch all those little moments like over and over. You already see people put those beautiful clips together. Mm. You're like, oh, yeah. The, yeah. the most recent one that was in, I'm not going to spoil it. No. Um, but I, hmm. what is it, episode 103? Anyway, oh, a, yes, around yes. that area. Yeah. Um, I got spoiled, unfortunately. Oh, no. And it was just like it popped up on Instagram and yeah. I kind of knew. And then watching it and going back and knowing some knowing someone new pre- previously, I got to see it and was like, this is amazing. I had chills for a yeah. good 10 minutes of seeing it. Yeah, so, and it's a really hard one to avoid spoilers on that too. Like I yeah. have it set up now that like on Fridays because we you know we get it that day after. I just have to have like pretty much I just blank out everything until I can get home from school, and then I just that's my Friday evening activity, and yeah. then I can go back to social media. That is, it's been a benefit for me working from home because um, oh, you watch it live. Yeah, I watch it live. That's amazing. I've been very tempted, but unfortunately, school runs at the same time, and I probably can't have it on in the background as I'm teaching probably as not. a as a professional educator. Um, I want my students to know the sacrifices I make for them, which they is not know. watching Critical Role live. Yeah, <laughs> it's it is a burden that some of us have to bear not getting to watch it live. But that's it why is. video demand exists. Yeah, exactly, and it's so good just being able to watch it straight away and catch up and yeah. Yeah, and see, I I don't remember where they had the um the the replay basically immediately afterwards just so yeah. you could people who particularly in england would wake up at 3 a.m to watch it if they couldn't then you could watch it at say eight nine while breakfast is going on yeah at a vaguely more human hour yeah vague, vaguely <laughs> so that's right so um i mean the games you're running at the moment i mean there's the critical role one there's yeah. curse of strad yeah um, i'm assuming you're running curse of strad yes yeah yeah, yeah no do you normally just run them from the modules or do you have your own homebrew world and adventures that you're developing as well? Um, well, my first, the the kind of Talzore one started off with, um, I think I actually first started with an Adventurers League, like prepaid, like pre-done module because it was my first time and I wanted something to start with. And then I was realized that a, about... Was that a Talzore pre-made module? No, or, it, was, um, okay. it was something else that I kind of was just transplanting because I just knew I had to have Taldore setting I just knew I wanted it because I knew that world I don't really I'm getting better at Faerud now from playing a lot more but at that time I didn't really know you know the Forgotten Realms at all but I knew Taldore from watching how many ridiculous hours of yeah. critical role I'd watch consumed <laughs> so yeah I kind of took this um oh, I can't even I think it was like Queen of the Dragon Horde like one of the most kind mm. of iconic because I'd done lots of research and it was and I kind of got to the third part of it and I was like actually I'm not really digging this so then I just started Frankensteining parts of other modules I was finding and it's kind of turned into a bit of a homebrew slash Frankenstein from some modules slash you know some weeks if I don't have time I'll tend to just take pretty strictly from like things I buy off and like DMs Guild other weeks I've had time to prep though it'll be a lot more homebrew like we had some snail racing 
in oh, that game nice. a couple of weeks ago that I thoroughly, and I made up like little different snails and I had stuff to show where they could buy snails. And like, I had a lot of time that week. It was very fun. Um, whereas Curse of Strads, I've literally just had the module. And I, to be honest, I found it a little bit constricting because I think I like so much to be able to take what a player says and go, yes, and, and whereas Curse of Strad, you can't. Like, you know, I had my players, they wanted to go straight to like way past where their level was. And kind of part of me was like, I could send you there and then I could like alter all the stats. But then I was like, oh, is that going to really break things if they get at something too early? Um, so I played it very strictly to the module and it's fun. And mm-hmm. we're kind of, we're gearing up for a Halloween finale, which is really nice. So we're getting to like the, we're in Castle Ravenloft at the moment. Um, yeah. But That'll be I'm very kind of, Halloween-y then, yeah. Yes. That was kind of the plan. We kind of knew like restrictions were going to lift around then. So it's been in the works for like a few months now that this would be a fairly short run campaign with a conclusion, which also as a DM was good because it kind of pushed me to follow a timeline a bit more as well and kind of not let people go too much off the rails. Um, but I'm currently working on a homebrew world as well, which I'm hoping to start next year. So I've started that from scratch, mm-hmm. and uh, which is both really exciting and been super fun, but also now terrifying as 2021 nears closer to actually yes. put it into the world. Uh, well, you can come back on when it's ready and we'll talk all about the world. Amazing. Amazing. And it's, yeah, that's been a really interesting, like, again, experience learning more from a DM perspective and like, also, my um, my husband's very pragmatic, so he's very much he plays a lot of like Warhammer 40k, which has very strict law and very it's very kind of logical law. So I like to run things by him, and like I was trying to build a theocracy, and he also teaches politics. So you know, my theocracy was not at all accurate. So then I'm trying to put in, and then you're like, well, hang on, it's a fantasy world; it doesn't have to be. And it's kind of that. Then I was juggling that those two worlds, like how crazy in fantasy can I make it? But I want to have that element of realism as well. So. This is when you find yourself Googling just random things in the middle of the night and be like, how does it, how do bridges and ferries actually work? And what type of ferries could I have in this city? (laughs) And how does it work when a trip has to come down? It's like, right. Yeah. Tides. I've learned a lot about tides. Mm. Uh, And I learned a lot about, I've Googled so many royal families because I, you know, I read something, I remember what I was listening to like something on YouTube. It was like, you know, write the stories you want to hear. And, you know, I was like, well, being the Disney, I was like, I want to make like a Disney fairy tale princess story that's like cool and modern. And uh, and then I started Googling royal families and that was just, because then you get into conspiracy theories because then Diana comes up and then it's just three days of your life gone. And, <laughs> and, and you're like, this doesn't help my game at all. But well, It does because you suddenly have all these conspiracy theories and they're <laughs> ripe for adventures. That's true. That's actually really true. I didn't think, I just got, I just got the popcorn out and was like, what is this? I've never heard of this <laughs> Danish royal family and all these oh, amazing yeah. things that didn't know existed. For um, that, there's a great podcast called um, Royal Blood ah. from um, Dana Schwartz. And it is, um, it's basically how all these uh, different royals throughout history died. Oh, um, and one of the most recent ones was uh, I can't remember, might have been Croatian. Oh wow! Um, but this warrior queen who basically had her husband killed, or her husband was killed by another tribe, so she invited them all and just murdered everyone, <gasps> and then converted to Christianity, so she didn't have to marry someone, Amazing. and stayed queen. And it's it's very apocryphal, as um, obviously the heroes, the 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 winners write history, but. Yeah. Yeah, you get some great ideas from from royal families and, and classic history. Well, that's something I struggled with as well because you see these amazing, like through searching and stuff, you find these amazing historical figures and it's like so much of you just wants to take that person and put them in your game, but then you're like, that doesn't seem fair either. So then you try to, 
you know, to do things like change their new gender or change something and be like, that seems tokenistic because that's not really changing the person. And these have been all the fascinating things with, you know, building this homebrew world that I thought would be way more simple when I started. Because you see all these people, you know, start homebrew worlds and you're like, it can't be that hard. And then you sit down, you're like, oh, this is, if I want to do this properly, this is huge. This will never end. (laughs) But that's, I feel that, like we were saying before, you, the players aren't going to know about a lot of this stuff. Yeah. They're not going to worry about it. They're just going to be so wrapped that you're telling them a story that you've got yeah. an adventure for them to go on. And they'll discover this as you discover it because yeah. you can make it up as you go along and go, well, you walk into this bar. I don't know what this town is like, but um, I guess there's a blacksmith and yeah. there's there's a reeve. A reeve yeah. runs the place and you'll learn about them while the characters in talk with them all. Yeah. No, it's um, definitely that kind of thing that I'm looking forward to as well. Like I'm trying to not have too much prepared either because for that exact reason. So if opportunities come up, I do have that kind of leeway to change things as I go. But I've also been, you know, learning how to make maps and things. And that's been a really cool skill set to learn. And um, yeah, it's just pushed me to learn a lot of stuff. I think that's what I've taken away from, you know, the restriction from the COVID time is I've just learned and learned and learned as much as I could while I had all this spare time on my hands. And hopefully next year I can... Yeah, put the homebrew world into into one into, of the campaigns. into the ether and uh, see what happens with it. I've got a few plans with it, but we'll see. It involves learning more things. Yeah, but... it always does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I want to go back to you talking because um, you remember mentioning you. Uh, I remember you mentioning saying that you'd run games for your the classes as well and kind yes. of teaching them through that. Have you had a lot of them really pick up the game since? you've run um, little bits for them or has it just been more like this has been a fun half hour, a couple of hours for them and then that's that's it for them? Yeah, it was kind of unfortunate. As I was just getting it off the ground, I actually ended up leaving because, um, you know, teachers' contracts is kind yeah. of how it rolls at the moment. I ended up leaving that school. So I've kind of implemented, I've planted the seed in lots of places, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't really had that longevity, that legacy yet of like that I build an actual D&D club. It's my like huge you know, even in interviews, people say, you know, what's your career goal? I'm like, um, I want to have a Dungeons and Dragons club at school. That's mine. Um, and that runs, you know, that runs after me. But I do think what a lot of students have said, like even when I've run into them past that, is they've like, it opened them up to other like genres, like even just the fantasy genre, like full stop. Some of them had never even entered that genre before. Some of them have said, you know, really opened up their imagination, whether it be like with art or creating other things. Um, and I think as well, like just that kind of role play element too of like saying it's okay even as an adult to dress up and, you know, don't stop just because you're 12 or 13. You can still keep playing games with your friends on the weekends. And yeah. even if it's not a constructive D&D game, like. No, it's just playing play. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like that's werewolf how... in particular. Yeah. yeah. I know exactly. um, certainly my friend group, if we're playing werewolf, we'll have characters. Yeah. Uh, most of the D&D players anyway, but we'll come up with characters and we'll backstab each other <laughs> just because it's like, well, I'm the baker, but such and such is sleeping with my wife. So I'm going to say they're a werewolf. I love it. And I, love I, I it. probably think they're a werewolf anyway, but it's, yeah. Stuff I do like think that. that's the, the bane of a little bit of D&D players. Because even now when I play Cluedo, like, you know, you get yes. your Cluedo and you're like, okay, well, what are they? Why are they really? Like, why would they have? And it's like, it's you don't have to have, they're like, I mean, can you just stop? You don't need a, you just got to just play the game. Just, re- just play okay. the game. You're going to still, you don't need it. Are oh, you putting a voice on? Okay. All right. Well, you don't. Okay. Good. But you've got to have the voice. Otherwise people won't know when you're doing the thing the character does or just being. Right. You. Right. It's just, it's just makes that's, sense. Yeah. That's what I, that's 
exactly it and not just because it humors me immensely to try yeah. and come up with accents on the spot that are always terrible and i own it own it horribly but like you know it's better than nothing this is why when you create your own home world it's it's not a bad accent this is just how they talk yeah that's a that's a really good line actually because i do i do love that my friends sometimes will like when i have an accent that the, the first thing they like play a character will be like is where's that accent come from and you're like it comes from nowhere go away yeah. you're not getting anything now shop prices are just tripled well done yeah that's <laughs> never really offend the, the dm <laughs> never offend the, the shopkeeper yeah exactly yeah. um but yeah no it's been been really great kind of yeah teaching with the kids side of things like getting them out and just seeing them even if i haven't seen the clubs themselves kind of become born yet or maybe they have and i just don't know yeah that would be amazing because it'd be just maybe little friend just groups that in my yeah. Um, but even just the fact that I shared it with them and the fact that they got into it, like the fact that I played with, you know, I played with like a whole grade, you know, for it was good kind of term program that we were doing. And your know, people who write at the start were like, this is weird. And like, this is so uncool. Um, by the end who were like, when can we play again? Mm. You're like, okay, well, you know, even if you have that, maybe you'll pick it up again when you're, you'll remember this crazy teacher you had back in year six. And maybe when you're 25, you'll pick it up again. And that's, you know, that's enough of a kind of, I guess, legacy to me, or oh, by the time then, it's probably Dungeons and Dragons Eighth Edition or something. Something but... like that. Well, I'm always wondering yeah. with, with kids like that that always say it's uncool, this is weird. I'm wondering whether it's the kid is projecting what the rest of the world is telling them about this that it's not yeah. cool to to use your imagination, like we were saying before. But yeah, eventually they realize this is an opportunity for me just to have fun. Yeah. And yeah, it's not real work. And as a... No, and I think as an adult, like, you've got to model that to them as well, that it's okay to have fun, it's okay to be silly, and, like, as much as being an adult, you know, you have real responsibilities and all that kind of stuff, it's up to you how you want to do it. Like, my, my students know that, you know, I'm the crazy teacher that, you know, wears random stuff and, you know, I wore a Pokemon outfit the other day to school because I can. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, one of them was like, how many costumes do you have? I was like, I mean, these aren't costumes. This is like, this is, if you were to see me at the shops, this is what I would wear. And they're like what there, what how many costumes do you have i can see some in the background oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> these are legit costumes yeah. legit costumes these are from my amateur cosplay wannabe days uh but i do have a full wardrobe of just it's just colors it's just colors and rainbows and pop culture references it's gradually gone kind of less there used to be a lot of comic books a lot of batman marvel mm-hmm. kind of stuff and now as i kind of got into the whole of D and now it's become my entire world uh there's a lot more kind of fantasy elements a lot of like dragons and mm-hmm. things like that popping up in there now that's but yeah no i do have a whole cosplay <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting back into cosplay during lockdown as well which is i've had a Again, uh, one of my colleagues wants to do and well was planning on doing a nightcrawler cosplay for um for halloween which would have been Ooh. impressive um in two weeks when we were recording yeah. so i'm like hey man go for it if you can t- any Messaged me today and said, "Yeah, I can't do Nightcrawler in two weeks. Cyclops, I'm like, Fair enough. all right, the visor is going to be just as hard, but go for it." <laughs> You'd be amazed, though. Like, I have to admit, the amount of times when I've done like the convention crunch is a real thing, mm. and I guess it's the same with like Halloween. You kind of procrastinate, and then the amount of things you can do in forty-eight hours, though, are unbelievable. Caffeine and just sheer determination are powerful things. 
I've finished a lot of cosplays, like literally as I'm walking to the car, like, you know, hot glue is still drying on stuff as I'm walking to the car to get to cons. Yeah, I think every cosplay um, has got a story like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which... After me, in, in the last kind of year or so, though, I have taken much more privilege in being able to like get commissions oh, smart. and <laughs> try and support other people mm-hmm. because I've realized there are people that can do what I want to do way better. And as I get into a position, I can support them. I'm like, well... That's great. And then I can start to try and learn. I'm trying to plan something for January for the next Iconicon, actually. Um, trying to plan a cosplay for that, but it's immediately, I've got to do face paint and oh, wow. body paint and stuff, which is a whole, I've never done that before. So yeah, we'll that, that can be tricky. I can, yeah. I've, um, I, as since I'm asking all of, all of my guests to reveal these things, I may as well reveal that I'm starting to go bald on top as well. Um, so my cosplay options are starting to get a little more limited now. Uh, but I did realize that if I get fit again, I can go as Grog from Critical Role because I can still have the Amazing. beard and just shave the yeah. head. But that will require a lot of body paint. Yeah. Which There's, it is. It's because it's the logistics of like applying it is the first thing, but yeah. then also staying on and not getting it on every. My big bigger thing is that I'm just terrified that someone in some amazing cosplay I'm going to touch and just to smear the it. makeup. Yeah, yeah, like that's my biggest concern. It's not so much about if mine looks a bit rubbish. It's more, am I going to ruin someone else's by accident? Because I'm going to like mm. put a big handprint down them. But I'm, there's, I mean, in this day and age, everything's on YouTube. Yeah. I'm sure there's someone that's covered in great terms how to do it. Most definitely. Because you just you do see, like, so I missed from PAX this year, mm. you know, seeing all those amazing cosplays from that. I love all the, you know, EBC tabletop gaming references in cosplay. And it's, yeah. It's amazing. Are you looking at cosplaying your characters or are you looking at specific ones from... from no, I've got, a, I've got a crit role character in mind okay. that I... The moment they got revealed on the show, I was like, that's pretty amazing. And then the fan art started coming out and I was like, mm, this is very, very cool. Um, I have, though, tomorrow, though, for book week at my school, I will be going as one of, like... It's kind of a take on Rodelia tomorrow, okay. although she won't be near as passive-aggressive or sarcastic because I think I'd lose my job. But <laughs> it's kind of based off the similar kind of fan art. Like, it's a lot of, like, colour and a lot of kind of drapey, almost kind of, like, uh, fortune teller, kind of those bright colours and silks and things kind of vibes. Yeah. Um, but I'll be introducing myself as... Because, you know, you have to come from a book, so I'll be able to take all my D&D books in tomorrow that- and show... Show the world. You might need a suitcase to really carry them all. (laughs) I was looking earlier today. I was like, because I have like the collector's edition, Mm -hmm. you know, three books. And I'm like, well, do I take that in though? Because if a kid touches it, am I going to get real grumpy? Maybe I'll just take a photo of that one. (laughs) Get some PDFs. Yeah. Just have the the art and say, look, it really is from a book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or just have them put gloves on before they can touch it. No. That seems fair. (laughs) Anyway, I think we should um, finish up there. Because um, we could go on, we could really know, do a right? deep dive into to it's, everything. It's it's yeah, it's just so nice to meet other people. Like that's what I love so much about the community. And like through Iconicon, I've met people now finally who I can talk D and D with. Because like I said, my friends, whilst amazing and beautiful, and I love them, do not share my passion. Um, I think it was my birthday last year where I said all I wanted for my birthday was they had to play. I DM'd and I was like, this is all I want. I don't want to go out. I don't want presents. I don't want anything. You just have to sit at the table and play. Um, had they enjoy- <laughs> did they like it? Did they have fun? They did actually. They look, they did not to the point of like that they were um, gagging to get back mm. at the table. And, but you know, gladly, like one of them's joined me in Curse of Strahd now oh, while cool. we've been locked down. She's come into that, which has been cool. Um, but yeah, it was, it was enjoyable, put it that way. And they didn't kind of, I could tell they weren't hating it, but it was definitely, you know, for me as a birthday girl, it was great. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> it was, it was a gift that they gave you. 
Exactly. And that was like, I love those kind of experiences and stuff as well. That was a way better gift than any physical thing they could have got me that year. So excellent. Yeah. Um, so anyway, <laughs> if, if people want to find you online, um, where yeah, can they look? Um, they can Instagram's the best place at the meek shell, because when I have to introduce my name, meek, it tends to go like meek and mild or the meek shell inherit the earth. Mm -hmm. So at the meek shell and yeah, a few things coming up there with like a con and just a few other little projects on the side there so um also my terrible cartography skills i'm trying to put up there as well because by sharing it it kind of forces you to put a little bit more effort in so yes, I saw, and a bit more accountability i saw you shared the um the two minute tabletop one and yes. i'm starting to get into cartography as well and starting to make them two minute tabletop is amazing for those assets oh, it's yeah just so it's, easy it's, I, I love just the kind of cartoon it's not too cartoony but it's not too hyper realistic either mm. it's just kind of how i envision my worlds to be like a little bit disney and a little bit realistic kind of like mixed together yeah and they're just beautiful yeah. art and always bringing more stuff yeah. out i'm hoping to get um to get him on um in a future episode so i can talk oh, about awesome. all of it but just gotta work up amazing. the courage to be like hey please come <laughs> on my show uh, uh i just gotta put opportunity if i've learned anything from the dnd you just gotta put it out there yeah. and then see what happens because if you don't put it out there it doesn't happen that's true so, that's true yeah uh, positive thinking but finally if you would be so kind as to say farewell to our listeners oh actually i should say thank you for coming on oh thank you uh, but you're so welcome if you would be so kind as to say farewell to our listeners uh as Rodelia. absolutely so um uh Rodelia would say uh goodbye and remember it's not a lie unless you get caught <laughs> So that was the episode for this week. I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, head over to Meek's page, um, her Instagram account, and check out. It really is amazing. The amount of work she puts into the uh, the campaigns and the characters that she's building. It's an inspiration, honestly. It's given me a lot of ideas for what I can um, do in my own games. Uh, you can find her, or you can find uh, this podcast on Instagram as well, at Tell Me About Your D&D or you can check us out on Instagram oh, well, that was Instagram, you can check us out on Twitter which is Tell Me Your D&D, or on Facebook at Tell Me About Your D&D as well you can send me an email if you would like to tell me about someone who could come on the show um, if you've been listening to a podcast or you've seen a really cool artist, if you want to hear about their journey with Dungeons and Dragons uh, shoot me an email, the email address is tellmeaboutyourdnd at gmail.com and you can also so leave us a review, share, like, subscribe. We're all on all the all the pl podcast platforms, but we are hosted by SoundCloud. Um, share us around, let your friends know that we exist as well. I am on another podcast of Dyson DMs, which comes out on Thursdays, where myself, Ben, and Tori talk about Dungeons and Dragons, other role-playing games, and kind of why we play these games rather than the rules. I mean, we do get into the rules and we do get into some of the history and the lore, but it's really a little bit more of the philosophy of D&D, and we always have a really good time on that. Art for the show is by Tori Tedeschi. Music is by Poddington Bear. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, everyone. May all your hits be crits.